Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today I have a very knowledgeable landlord and a property manager, Mr. Al, uh, Al Williamson. Um, Al, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I think uh, the wealth of knowledge and the practical knowledge on the road, as I call it, uh, you, you know, it's, it's very rare that, uh, you, you know, I get to interview a experienced uh, person uh, who's done, you know, years of landlording like you have. So it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you today at the show. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so honored that you share me with your audience. It's good to be here. Sure, sure. Thank you. A little bit about Al. Um, Al has been do, uh, doing landlording and managing his own properties uh, since 1996. So, boy, that's just about, you know, 15 years. Uh, I'm sorry, it's about 25 years, I should say. And he's a civil engineer by background. And through the wealth of his, um, you know, rental portfolio, he's uh, recently been able to quit his W-2 job as well. And um, Al is a popular author. He's written books uh, about, you know, building wealth through, uh, you know, inner city rental properties. Plus, he has a magnificent book about how you can increase the net income. So the title of, your, of that book is 40 Ways to Increase the Net Income of Your Property. So with that, Al, uh, please give us your background. And I want to welcome you to the show one more time. Okay. Hey, thank you. So I've been, I've been creating this industry called Landlord Science, and you probably would like that. Okay. It's, the, it's the whole practice of testing out new technologies, like testing out 5G and artificial intelligence, and, and also different expense reduction things like uh, predictive um, sensors that can, that can help you get a lower insurance premium. Uh, ways to increase your net income. So my whole my days are focused on ways to inventing ways to improve your net income for, awesome. Awesome. for asset managers. Yep. That's what awesome. I do. Nice. So with, with your experience, Al, uh, please share like, you know, how you got started and what were your observations? It, it seems like uh, based on, uh, you know, what you're sharing, it seems like you very early on, you focus that, uh, the best way to, I think, uh, you know, optimize your portfolio is to obviously reduce the expenses that, you know, goes by saying, but at the same time, find these allied ways uh, that you can, you know, provide services and different value add, uh, you know, things that you can do to your building so that the residents can find value and effectively pay you more rent which, you know, obviously increases your cash flow. Could you maybe share your earlier experiences and how you got in terms of where you are now? Oh, I would love to. So I started off in 96. I was getting ready to get married. And mm -hmm. I was at a, a church picnic and one fellow pulled me to the side and he said, you got to think about 
getting yourselves a duplex and you guys live in one half. So this is about 96. And so I went to the library and started reading the real estate section. One, mm-hmm. one side of the shelf to the other side of the shelf. And, right. and then it started to click in for me. I said, yeah, I'm going to do this. So we, um, I bought a three unit Victorian in downtown Sacramento, where we're from. And I squeezed my new bride into the smallest unit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We stayed there as long as she mm-hmm. kept her sanity. And, and um, during that time, the, over that five years, we just happened to buy it right at, in the upswing in the market. And it quadrupled on us. Wow. So, yeah, we were loving that. All of a sudden, I was looking pretty smart. Pretty smart. <laughs> so then, yeah, then we bought an eight-unit building. But during that process, even though it quadrupled, I was saying, you know what? All these maintenance expenses is really wiping out my cash flow right, right. not the cash flow that people said i was going to get i'm getting it but it goes away right if i, if I want to maintain my property and make it look um look nice and be right. a physical representation of me i always say my properties are a physical representation of the owner right. So, right. so i was like there's got to be something else i can do what else can i do to get some um, ancillary or some side income how else can I use this property? Because everyone else uses their business. They do upsells or some other type of um, use of their business to get a different income stream. No business relies on just one income stream besides us landlords. Right. We, all, we only Absolutely. look at rents and, and, and um, you know, maybe look at coin-operated laundry as something um, else. But, but So that's when I started collecting ideas because I – I had some income goals. I wanted to, to double my net income. That was just a goal I set. I, and I said, well, how do you go about doing it? And um, that's what I did. I started collecting ideas, um, traveling to different um, conferences and things and talking to experts and squeezing their best ideas out of them. And it, it was a seven-year process to write that book, 40 Ways. I was trying to go for 50, but I, could, I can do it now, but it's, it's very... <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and yeah. I think one of the very valuable points in that is that these are practical experiences. These are not just, you know, ideas you picked up and you wrote about, you know, these right. are all your on-field experiences, which is, you know, I think what makes it extremely, you know, valuable that someone can literally read it, implement it, and, uh, you know, increase their uh, cash flow. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Right, right. So someone like you, who, who you say you're doing with them, uh, BC properties, right? right, or, right. And, and, and people who are on limited budgets or on assistance. So you are the common denominator. Everyone's cash flow comes to you. Right. So, so you have the ability to create some, some savings for them even as far as group purchasing of, of internet and other services and share in the savings. That's one of, uh, um, one of the things you can do in, in neighborhoods where people are um, have limited incomes and aren't coordinated just by coordinating you can add value and create savings for your tenants and share in that savings thereby increasing your income and winning everyone's hearts and minds at the same time right right so what are the uh, some other ways also uh, al you go about it can you maybe share like at least a few different ways that you have done and uh, you know, oh yeah you know, I like to talk about this thing all day. <laughs> one, one favorite thing is dropping on prefabricated storage units. 
10 by 10. So if you can take a, a 10 by 20 uh, steel bin and put two roll up doors in it to make it into two 10 by 10s, you pretty much can drop that onto your property and avoid permitting because they typically say anything less than detached 200 square feet, you don't have to get a permit, especially mm -hmm. if it's temporary or movable. Mm -hmm. So just by putting on skids and thereby um, most, uh, many people in our apartment communities, they have storage elsewhere and they're paying for mini storage. Right. And so this 10 by 10 unit, where, where would you place this? Like front yard in the hallway or in the backyard? Yeah. If you can, one thing I really like is if you can replace some of your fence line with it, mm -hmm. a little, take a little bit of your, so it's in your yard and, and replace a little bit of your fence line, put that roll up door so that it's accessible to people who don't live on your property as well. So that's oh, even better. Interesting. So, so the, the, I guess the caveat there is that pretty much you could rent it out not only to your residents, but to some uh, uh, external folks as well. Yes. And now external folks will be the most optimal thing you can do because it's straight lien laws. They'll be working on just the lien laws instead of the landlord tenant laws. So mm -hmm. if you can, if you can, and you can be, you can lock people out if they don't pay under the, the lien laws. Right. So mm -hmm. it's ideally, um, and it's average wide, average nationwide is a hundred dollars. I mean, a, a dollar a square foot for storage per month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's $200 right there that you've added to your, your net operating income. And, and you know about your uh, force uh, cap rates. Force, right, force appreciation, absolutely. That's and so value, how much yeah. do these units cost, by the way? About four, you can get you know you can always get a used storage um, mm -hmm. steel container, sometimes nearly free. <laughs> people <laughs> get them away. You can always get them off of Craigslist and have them modified. So you should think about four grand, no more right. than four grand. No more than four grand, and you said two hundred, like twenty four hundred a year. So you you potentially your payback is within two years, which is extremely powerful. Yes, wow. extremely powerful. You see, right. that's just one thing you can do. There's there's Typically, there's always some um, area that you can um, on your property that's underused, or mm -hmm. but I like fence lines so that you can have a non-resident uh, storage uh, tenant as well. I like that a lot. I see. I mean, I think uh, what we've done as far as storage in our units is that uh, you know in our buildings we've done uh, you know those uh, typical in the unfinished part we've done uh, sort of framing around it and have a door so that each unit has their own space and some shelving inside uh, of that. And, you know, we will, we will rent those spaces to uh, our tenants for some uh, you know, reasonable amount. And it, it uh, and I agree with you that I think some of this creative strategy, if you do, I think uh, payback within two years is extremely solid actually, you know? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And those what, what are some other ways Al you've done? So um, how about, how about alternate? I'll give you an expense reduction way. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's some bio, biological, I mean, not biological, bio-friendly, environmentally friendly drain openers now. Like a, think of an environmentally friendly Drano. Interesting. So, so it's called Green Gobbler. You can get it at Home Depot. So instead of uh, bringing out a plumber to snake things now, mm -hmm. you just pour this stuff down there and mm -hmm. it, it will dissolve greases and the typical hair uh, buildups so that you don't have to take apart your P-trap anymore. And it's environmentally friendly so that the, your tenants can do it. 
Interesting. So the idea here would be you use those green gobblers in each unit or you drop it like somewhere in the basement uh, near the main drain line. Where yeah. would you use that? You pour, you pour down the drain um, before, after you have a clog and it, you definitely want to do it in between tenants. You always pour um, one of the canisters. It comes with two canisters for 11 bucks. This stuff is very inexpensive, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and thereby you're, you're eliminating your plumber. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we have drain stories almost, uh, you know, every other month we'll have something or the other going on with, uh, you know, the amount of units we own. So, uh, so, so as soon as there's slowed, slowed downs, you, you have your tenants go to the storage unit and grab some green gobbler or, and, and pour it down themselves, and, and you've just saved yourself whole maintenance costs and... Um, and increase the hap the happiness of your your tenant as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely uh, you know uh, try to use that one. Yeah, that's for sure. So you would drop it in your kitchen sink. Is that what you said? Yes, Ed? kitchen sink um, and they and bathtubs and and toilets. They have yeah. different versions of it. And I see. It, yeah, so I like that, and even more so than plunging, and right. and a lot more than using a snake. Right. Oh, yeah. I hear you there, you know. Yeah. So, okay. So internet, you had storage units, this green gobbler. So uh, share with some, some more. So also internet, there is something called Google Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. a, it mm -hmm. allows you to create a Wi-Fi mesh. Right. Like so a mesh take, router. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can take one internet service mm -hmm. and replace, replace, create a net over the entire building. Mm-hmm. Um, so one service here in Sacramento, I pay a uh, hundred bucks for a uh, super high speed fiber mm -hmm. optic mm -hmm. and I charge, so that cost me a hundred dollars mm -hmm. and I add on $20 to every tenant and I have eight of them. So there, so I have, it turned into a hundred and hundred and sixty dollars right. for this nest that everyone's happy about. And I, I brought my, my neighbors on who also are inside of the mesh and they pay $20 as well. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. So now, for at least one of them, so so it's one hundred and eighty dollars, and it cost me a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars, right? Wow! And now everyone's happy, and um, and uh, Wi-Fi is definitely a profit center. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so what else, Al? Oh, so let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, bees. Oftentimes, people have have large, um, some acreage or some larger lots. Mm -hmm. And if you have a beekeeping station or area, mm -hmm. then you have a food producing animal onto your property right. and you can reclassify the use of your property. Oh, to agricultural and state property, state property taxes in some areas. So you right. can definitely so check out. Right, so you're saying you certify your property as a, uh, you know, sort of a, uh, uh, what was the word you Agricultural. Used? Agricultural, and right. try to get a, a property tax reduction based off of that. Right, big time cut on that. It, there's um, urban farms and um, are, are becoming more popular as food security issues become, mm -hmm. and people are very concerned about bee and bee habitat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's all a win-win. So that's a that's a, a a humongous savings that you could create for yourself and thereby 
dramatically improve the property values. Right, right. So uh, speaking of bees, uh, do you, do, I mean, have you implemented this strategy, Al? Like, I mean, you know, I guess. Uh, in, natural- in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. It, works in, it works in Texas. Not, where, where I am in Sacramento, my acreage is not large enough for that. I see. Because, you yeah. know, the moment sometimes you say bees, the natural sort of the question becomes is that, uh, hey, are the bees going to sting or, you know, you kind of. Uh, yeah, you need enough that. acreage. Right. So the liability and all those things uh, that, you know, as a landlord, you have to think through. So I was just kind of wondering about those, uh, you know, aspects there. So this works on, even if you had just one single family home on the property, if you have Mm -hmm. enough acreage Mm -hmm. uh, and you can give access to a a beekeeper, Mm -hmm. um, that's a huge, could be a huge saving, especially if you're in a place like Texas or somewhere who has high tax property taxes. Interesting. No, that, that's that, that's that's valuable to know. I mean, uh, yeah, interesting. So, Al, uh, speaking of your corporate housing and short-term rentals that you do, okay, you have an interesting take on your business and you know how you go about it. Do you mind sharing with our listeners as to how you go about uh, you know implementing that strategy uh, in your portfolio? Absolutely. So, what I what I do is create an. Ex- you know, there's hotels and then are, are extended stay hotels. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I created an extended stay hotel out of some of my units, out of the ones I own. Um, that becomes uh, super, super profitable. My, it can increase my net time income about seven times for that unit. Wow. By wow. doing an extended stay, but not doing one-year leases, by doing one-month, two-month furnished rentals, all-inclusive is is um is probably one of the most profitable things you can do with your existing uh, properties. Sure. Now it's so profitable, mm-hmm. but doing these extended stays is so profitable. I can rent a a unit from a regular landlord, and the difference between what I can bring in and my cost are a minimum at minimum six six to nine hundred dollars of net wow. income. So speaking of tangible terms there, Al, give us us a sort of a a rundown on, okay, the rent is going to be, normal rent is going to be, let's say, X versus, you know, if you do extended, uh, you know, rental or a corporate housing, uh, what would that rent look like? Okay. So so one of my units that I have as a long-term tenant, Mm -hmm. and it's undervalued, it's about $900. Um, yeah, for, for one bit, one bath. Mm-hmm. So that's what they pay, and it's, it's a little bit under unit, and it's not furnished. Um, mm-hmm. The same unit rents out for eighteen fourteen dollars $1,814 as right. a furnished. As a furnished rental. Yeah. I see. And speaking of then turnover into these, uh, Al, how long do you keep the leases? So I always do what, over one month because I fall. I, there's a whole bunch of things in Sacramento and all over the country about short-term rentals being considered 30 days and less. Mm-hmm. And then you, you need to pay transient taxes and you need special insurance and um, all kinds of things, permits and things like that. You're a business. Right, right. And you have to file a Schedule C. But as soon as you go over 30 days, you're – operating as a traditional month-to-month landlord, you file a Schedule E mm-hmm. and you don't need extra insurance and uh, 
just that alone uh, makes it more profitable right, for them. Right. So, right. so these 30 days and longer um, push you into the sweet spot. And I typically have three month minimums and most of my people stay three to eight months. I see. So what would a typical uh, rental client for such places look like? Like, are they, you know, on like a hospitalization visit or some type of a, uh, a you know, like a vocational program and things like that? Can yeah. you maybe give us, uh, uh, and the reason I ask uh, about your client base is that that sort of, you know, extrapolates into, you know, how would you go about marketing uh, for your vacant unit? Like, you know, like how would you advertise those things? Could you maybe give us some uh, insight into it? I sure will. So, so there's this whole IT professionals, anytime you set up a new, a new company, a corporation sets up a new company, they have a wave of IT professionals mobilized. Right, right. So they are, um, they are good targets. Also um, professional baseball players and the travel families, they are, are great people, especially minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, health, healthcare professionals are always traveling. Um, they're, they're great. Our project, you know, bridge engineers like myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we have to do a construction project. We're, sure, sure. we're traveling. From um, projects to projects, people from are projects traveling. To project. I, right now, I'm housing um, uh, three technicians for lottery machines. They're updating the software in this, in this area, they're staying for three months. Interesting. More, more and more people are, are traveling for, for one to six months at a time because there are laptops now. You don't need to be at your office. And there's the cloud right. where you can access everything. And just right. like you and I are talking, video yeah, it, it is definitely a mobile workforce. That's, that's definitely for sure. And you find a way to you know, sort of insert into that uh, sort of culture and you know have your name and presence out there for your business right that's 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 extremely powerful and 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 that industry the whole movement is increasing Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's that's awesome and how do you go about like do you have uh i think you mentioned about uh some other corporate housing as well like for us internally like what we do here is that some of our other corporate housing stuff is you know more around uh, you know, like medical staff uh, and some other shelter uh, care clients that we have. So in those cases, those are uh, our leases are annual here. I'm just wondering uh, on those aspects, like how does that work for you? It, it works. It works great because there's a lot of folks who are stuck in. Now, don't take this the wrong way. There's so many <laughs> people who are stuck on one-year leases. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's just a, a a change. That's a that's a change in a, a delete button. Hit the delete key and change it on the on your app on your forms on your lease forms. That's all there is to it. And that opens up that can de- nearly double your net income. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> just that so, change. Hit the delete key. Change it to month to month and say one month minimum. That will double your net income just like that. Wow, wow, that's awesome. That's uh, incredible. So, uh, tell us more about uh, you know some other initiatives Al you're looking forward to and improving in your business. So, improving my business, I, I am trying, and I'm starting this whole series with my um, my blog audience is about 
figuring out how to operate in abundance, meaning with, without my own capital, with just my ideas and creating value for people. Mm-hmm. So, so I've, I've learned, I've learned if you're thinking like I'm a banker, so if we take off our investor hat and mm-hmm. say, we're, say we're bankers now. Right. Mm-hmm. Now we would be looking to make money off of other people's money, right? Right. All we have to do is pay them for the use of their money, pay people for the use of their time. Mm-hmm. So no longer are we consuming ourselves as investors do. And, and I, think, I think investors are, would be wise to do both, be both, be the, have a banker mindset and an investor mindset. And, and I'm really building my muscles as an, having a banker mindset and arbitraging and deflecting and deflecting risk. Cause you know, banks don't take r- big risks. Sure. And, and yet there, there's a bank on every corner cause they're making plenty of money. Right. There, there has to be a way how they operate and the model under which they operate. So it's, it's interesting you mentioned that you have that mindset and you adopt that uh, sort of uh, mentality and you operate. So that that's valuable. That's what I'm operating now. That's how I'm operating. Um, and t- right now it's a big time seller's market. Very strong things. Prices are very, very high, ridiculously true. high in Sacramento. Very so, true. Hmm. So, so until there's a buyer's market, I'm, I'm going to put my investor hat back on when it becomes a, when there's fear in the market and when I can pick up some deals. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime you can pick up deals, have your investor right. hat on. But if you can't, don't sit on the sidelines. Uh, start arbitraging, pick up a, a banker's hat and assemble money and put it to higher, better use with good ideas and, and collect the margin. Just like I was sharing with you right. about how, yeah, it's, it's a difference. So a friend of mine, his name, his name is George Anton. He, he writes some books. He, he's, he sat me down. He said, Al, the cash flow comes from the difference between the income and the expenses. It's the financing. Not, it doesn't come from the real estate, the cash flow. The, the, the wealth comes from the real estate because of the equity. Right. But the cash flow comes from how much you bring in versus how much it costs. That's, right. that's the income. Right. That's the cash flow. Right. So when you think of it that way, you're saying, okay, I can, the expenses could be a mortgage, it could be a lease, it could be an option, it could be a, any type of deal. It doesn't have, I don't have to own it. And that freed me up to um, double my income. That, those, those thoughts, because I was free now, um, because I, yeah, I, I believe in buying assets, but when it makes sense. <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's been a sheer pleasure al i appreciate uh, you know your advice and your experience towards today so uh, please share with us how uh, you know uh, our audience can uh, you know find you oh absolutely so my my um, i keep a collection of all my ideas and what i'm writing on and working on on my website called leadinglandlord.com that's where you can go and, and you can email me directly at al at leadinglandlord.com. Sure. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, Al. I look forward to networking with you in future and All right. we'll sure be getting in touch again. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates research articles, and more. 
We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.